0: Welcome to Empathy Power Up, a collaboration of two people who connected during the pandemic through their love of empathy and action. Two people from very different backgrounds helping each other find ways to love themselves, understand their experiences better, and help reverse the rise of narcissism and the divides in our communities.
1: We will cover various topics about the human experience to help us power up on tools of empathy and emotional intelligence in the pursuit of one simple goal: create a world where people seek to understand themselves and each other. This is a learning journey amongst fellow humans. We're all just
0: figuring out life together. A few weeks ago, I was forced to lean into discomfort in a place that I thought was meant for healing. This was a somatic retreat where we we're, we're are to fully embody the change we wish to see in the world. And the word soma comes from the Greek language, and it means body. So this was a place for us really to understand our own bodies, our, our, our automated responses, like our thinking, our moods, our posture, and behavior when we're under pressure, and then thoughtfully rethink them with intention and purpose. So in that course, we learned that these responses are called conditioned tendencies or CTs for short, and these are shaped by the world and the people around us. The practices we learned in this training involves building awareness of these CTs by dropping into our bodies, which is difficult for the best of us to do. Being in touch with our bodies has been trained out of us over time because if we were in touch with our bodies, they would probably tell us how broken we feel in a world that keeps exploiting us. And it was clear from the beginning of this training that the instructors did not create a safe space for us. And that's kind of essential for trust and vulnerability we were asked to bring to the retreat. And over the course of the four days, the world we lived in steeped into our space and unfortunately a white person behaved in a very aggressive manner towards a black man showing her own biases towards people of color at first the instructors did not recognize name and address the behaviors of this woman but everyone in the room heard and saw it so not knowing what to do, the instructors split us up into two groups, white bodies and people of color bodies. And over that afternoon and into the evening, the white bodies gathered to call out the actions of this one white woman and explained why she created harm and helped her learn how to prevent, it, prevent that in the future. When she responded to, Uh, When we were calling her out in the group, that white bodied woman got very defensive and stated that I'm the responsible one in my family, which is exactly a characteristics, a characteristic that we covered recently on this podcast. And as the days unfolded and I offered up some resources to help her on her journey towards anti-racism that has helped me on my own journey. You know, we, we got to learn a lot more about each other. Um, But at the, as the days went on, it was messy. It was complex. It was uncomfortable. There was really no script to follow. And we were reacting from those conditioned tendencies I described earlier. So underlying this whole experience is the right comfort, which is the topic of today's episode. The right to comfort is the belief that those with power have a right to emotional and psychological comfort. And we value logic over emotion. And on the other side is the fear of open conflict, which is when those in power try to ignore or run from it, from, from conflict. And when someone raises an issue that causes discomfort, The response is often to blame that person for raising the issue, rather than to look at the issue which is actually causing the problem. And, you know, things aren't changing in the process. So the right to comfort and fear of open conflict are two of many characteristics that we're exploring from Tem Okun's great work on the characteristics of white supremacy culture.
1: Yeah, right to comfort. This one is definitely one that hits home for me, and I relate to a lot. And, but before I jump into that, Amy, thank you for sharing the, your story and using that as a moment to learn and grow and help expand our work towards rac- racial equity. But in general, using this as an example for us to sort of think about this concept of right to comfort, is it, is, is it such a big part of our system and we don't realize it because being comfortable is nice. I like being comfortable. I know a lot of people do and discomfort or being uncomfortable is 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 a feeling that is riddled with anxiety and fears and all these different things but why this story and why this topic is personal to me is because i grew up in a relatively privileged family in india and india with the caste system and colonization it 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 is I, I I believe it is following a lot of principles of white supremacy and you can see a lot of similarities between um, India and United States and ma- various countries because again, a lot of those culture and principles came there. And I remember I was one of those people in my mom, role modeling my mom's behaviors and following those where I'd be the one like, call your manager, right? Like, b- because something they did was uncomfortable to me. Or I remember... Um, someone making me uncomfortable in a store and then my mom yelling and screaming at them and and trying to defend me. And essentially now reflecting on it, realizing what we were doing was trying to protect our right to comfort because someone made us uncomfortable and that was not okay for us. Mm -hmm. And what that did is make me honestly weaker. So when I was on my own, when I was out in the world, coming to college, those principles sort of stay with me and they go with me. And I, I was in a restaurant in a sushi restaurant in Florida, and I went with a friends, and I, I think I accidentally dropped something on the floor and made a little bit of a mess. And growing up in India, where right to comfort and privilege is there, so someone will come clean up my mess. That is my comfort. And in here, I sort of pointed the, out the the situation to one of the people working there, and they're like, oh, "Yeah, clean it up." And they mm. that made me uncomfortable, but I've cleaned up my mess. And they went a little too far. They started making fun of me. They made like the people working there. But that's okay. They made me uncomfortable. Mm. I I took that as I understand. Even they are on a growth journey. Everyone is on their different growth journeys, but. I was very uncomfortable. And that story sort of embedded in me and sort of flipped a switch where I realized, wait, that was my mess. I was uncomfortable and that's okay. And sort of started that journey for me. And so this topic, it's it's something that I navigate. Even this week it's happened because I made some mistakes as a manager and then I've been very uncomfortable about them. But I've been sitting in that discomfort. I've been sitting in it and working and processing it. And so I would say, yeah, this topic, this idea of right to comfort and how you shared it, it's been it's been really, really close to me. So Amy, how did the people in the in your in the somatic retreat that you went to, how did the people impacted well, sort of and in the in the retreat react? How did the people in power in the retreat that were protecting their right of comfort? How did they go on this journey or did they at all?
0: Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I think there was that lack of trust, you mm. know, that's a big piece that was happening there. And, and like that safe container. Um, and in the, in the few days that we were there um, this uh, the, the black man I mentioned earlier, it, he was such an advocate for himself you know, mm-hmm. and and I I was actually I was just amazed at how he stood up and he was like, you know what? I from the beginning, from day one, he was like, you know, I feel really uncomfortable here <laughs> at mm. being in this room with uh, you know, in the course, I think it was poorly designed because they put white-bodied people who are just starting their journey <laughs> mm-hmm. on on in various ways in a room with uh, people who are trying to change the status quo. Mm -hmm. And so he, he was saying, he was like, I came under this idea that we were all here to change that status quo of, Mm -hmm. um, and so he had, you know, he just really didn't feel comfortable discussing these sensitive topics about being a black man in America, um, with white buddies in the room. And then he also expressed how it was hard for him to be in a room where, you know, these, these white bodies were focused more on themselves and, you know, very selfish and focusing on personal change. Cause at the end of the day, what we're trying to do is to step into like what our commitment to Mm -hmm. is in the world. So, um, and he was frustrated because we're, they're not working towards, you know, he was perceiving that like not changing towards collective liberation as a group, And that wasn't necessarily a stated purpose, you know, but in the, the, the world that we're in today, you have to kind of be doing both, right. You Mm -hmm. have to have like, be working, doing your own journey, focusing on yourself. But at the same time, like I, as I mentioned in my book, in other ways, like I'm learning more and more, we have to be, this is a skill we have to like build out.
1: Yeah. Be the community also focus (laughs) and and improving and raising the community as we raise ourselves.
0: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's better than a way that I would have said it right now. So, so the teachers, um, what in the room, what, what, happened and half the teachers were people of color, half were white. And, and every time, um, he would make a statement or other people would make statements, um, they would kind of just like acknowledge them and move on mm-hmm. and they wouldn't t- t- tackle the conflict like head on. Mm. Um, and the teachers would often say that, you know, everyone here is for a different reason, you know, and, uh moved on to the next topic and, you know, and shockingly in a, in a way like that, I haven't seen, um, folks speak about before he said that, you know, the teacher's responses sounded to him, like they said, all lives matter as opposed to when he's saying black lives matter. Mm. And so the, the,
1: so the response was this person's advocating for themselves and they're like, well, yeah, you know, sure, but whatever. Right.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, the teachers, like, I think the teachers being dismissive of him, um, you know, is essentially when they're responding and saying, okay, everybody's here for a reason. You know, he's essentially saying, he's like, no, like my life matters and other everybody's lives matter in a, in a, but like, you know, we have to, because the, the, the house is burning right now. We yeah. need to deal with this. Right. And, and his life is more
1: that... at more of a threat than yeah. some of the other yeah, people. At threat. Yeah. yeah.
0: And so he is trying to just kind of creating an analogy because he doesn't know what to do. Right. Mm. So the, the teachers like collectively really leaned into the comfort of the bigger group and they probably were uncomfortable themselves. They have their own condition tendencies as well because they feared what open conflict might happen, right, mm-hmm. in in this room of people who don't know each other. Mm-hmm. So they didn't address the tension. And eventually it boiled over and it stopped programming in its tracks and to that serious conflict where they literally were like, we're going to split you up into <laughs> two yeah, rooms. I and mean, and we're and no look, longer safe, you know?
1: And and even the reaction is it's like, okay, we're going to split you up so that at least we could be comfortable in, in our homogeneous type group, yeah. even though it was white people and everyone else, which isn't in a way, it just makes no sense. But yes. this idea of boiling over and the tension, and also the fact that this was a somatic retreat, meaning to get in touch with our bodies, to listen to our bodies and listen to that mm. discomfort, which is such an important part, I think, of this idea of unlearning the right to comfort, unlearning that I have to be comfortable at all costs. That's how I see this. The, mm-hmm. This show up is like my right to comfort is is more important, and regardless of everyone else's comfort or everyone else's life. And that's what this, mm-hmm. where why it shows up with white supremacy. It's okay to be comfortable. We're not saying don't be comfortable, but when mm-hmm. your comfort is at the cost of someone else's, when I mean, is it the cost yeah. of someone else? That's the problem. That's yeah. what we're trying to address, and that's what's happening because. Uh, it's it and that's we see that and in, in the legislation that's been passed for against trans people because yeah. it makes them uncomfortable i'm going to pass a law to so you can't be you so i can be comfortable
0: mm-hmm. and it is in a way this is a microcosm of what's happening in our yeah. in our society right like in a small way a much smaller way yeah
1: yeah and and so mm-hmm. i think this this piece whenever we see laws where it's trying to be masked as protecting children or protecting a certain way. We need to understand what is behind it. And we're seeing that in Florida. We're seeing that in all these laws with, in Tennessee, where they're passing anti-trans laws, even though the science and the doctors are saying, no, this is harmful, because the people in power want to remain comfortable, because they don't mm-hmm. want to deal with the discomfort and understand and listen to their bodies and follow those feelings, because it's uncomfortable and that's where Mm -hmm. it becomes a supremacy issue.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, So, yeah, go ahead. No, it's just blocking. It's really blocking us from, from feeling and dealing with the issue at hand, you know?
1: Yeah. (laughs) So, so so now, now that we sort of understand a little bit about what the right of right to comfort is, we've talked about some examples, both uh, personal examples. I would love to sort of jump into what, how do we fight this? How do we unlearn the, the, this, 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 this thing? What are the antidotes?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Cause like, if you look at, you know, white supremacy as like um, a poison, right. That we're all taking, there's an antidote that, that comes mm. with. And like, mm-hmm. what's interesting is like, as we were doing this um, training program, um, uh, we were kind of like just sifting through it, you know? Um <laughs> We didn't, none of us really like, you know, because we, we were in this kind of manufactured space of like leaders. And this is like in any society, really, you know, in any group, there's people in power who are the teachers Mm -hmm. who hold the power. And then everybody else is like following. Right. Mm -hmm. And so it, it created this manufactured place where the people in the room didn't like me and other people, like when the tension happened, we felt it. But then the teachers kept going. So we just kept going with the teachers instead Mm -hmm. of us standing up and being like, oh, like raising our hand, being like, that was not okay, Right. Mm. And like that, that one man, the the black man that I talked to uh, talk about, like he literally said something anti-black just happened. And I need you teachers to see this Mm. like it got to that. Right. And so but like very rarely in our world does this actually happen, you know? When when somebody actually says something, you know, so uh, we and so most I think, I think what's room, yeah.
1: what's interesting and it's important is I think this is this is reality. Even like people well intentioned, people who are working on growth, who are working on trying to be uh, anti racist and building racial equity. You shared like in that group because of the power dynamics, it was difficult. It was uncomfortable. It was tension filled to stand up mm-hmm. and speak up. And I think we need tools so that we can be a little bit more better prepared. I think it it comes down to being a little bit more intentional and better prepared.
0: Yeah, I think, yeah, for sure. And like, and just like the next time, like something like this happens, like, I try to think about like, okay, how can I like lean into comfort? You know, like, I mean, let, sorry, that was a mistake. Lean into the discomfort because mm-hmm. conflict is not always negative. Mm. It's conflict is something that we can learn more about each other. And that's something I deeply learned in this and the processing of doing this, this episode with you. Um, and what was interesting is like the container in the room was set up so that what the instructor said is, you know, there's no agreements that this is how we're supposed to be together. And like in life, we're not really in a place where like, oh, this is how we're supposed to be with each other in community. So, um, you know, so it created this kind of frantic life and frantic world. Um, and, but we were all there to really embody transform, embody, embody transformation in the form we wanted it to take, but to transform is to change from one shape to a next one that you take on. So to transform ourselves, we have to be uncomfortable with being uh, we have to be comfortable with being uncomfortable to welcome conflict as a friend and not a foe and and to understand where we're hoarding our power as leaders um, and also where we can step into power. Like I think of like step up and step back. Sometimes mm-hmm. it means to step back if you're somebody who's talking and leading, but sometimes it's stepping up if you see something. Um, and so during this doing this takes immense amount of awareness and courage out there. And um, I was looking at this visual the other day on Instagram and where a series of steps kind of leads upward to the right, and each one signifies an area of growth. But they're not connected to each other. But to reach that area of growth, it takes moments of courage to grow. And we've, we've mentioned some part about like growth, you know, the growth area versus like comfort area. So it takes those moments of courage to grow. And in the space of being anti-racist, we have to come from a place of love and the courage to confront challenges as we see them. And uh, I, so I really learned that conflict is inevitable, but it's productive. Um, It helps us understand each other so that much more. And it also helps us have a deeper sense of empathy, um, which is really effective um, in two kinds of empathy, both in cognitive and emotional empathy. So one thing that I picking up here is like, there's one, the main one that jumps out to me is like cognitive empathy. I'm going to nerd out for a second here, but those two components are of cognitive empathy with your brain is taking someone else's perspective. And then the second one is staying out of judgment. So conflict allows us to help us understand each other and to judge each other less. And um, if you take conflict and you embrace it and also lean into curiosity and start saying, okay, conflict is just a curiosity because I'm learning and I'm growing. Um, And for emotional empathy, it's helping us to name and address the emotions we're feeling. So when conflict arises, it's often fraught with a bunch of emotions. So the sooner we can really name and feel those emotions, we're able to process them and then move onwards. And I find that all the time, like even the conflict within myself, once I name it and I speak it to my friends, I'm able, it's able to live. And then I'm able to move on much faster, mm-hmm. you
1: know? Oh, I've been learning uh, that recently as well. <laughs> like even like with my husband and he'll, he was like, how was your day? And I had a tough day yesterday and I, you know, I just didn't want to share. I just said, no, I, I just kept quiet. And he's like, do you not want to talk about it? I'm like, no. And then it kept the conflict and the tension kept bubbling in, bu- inside. And I'm like, you know what? Why am I doing this to myself? <laughs> I have a safe space. Yeah. I have my husband who's willing to listen, who's empathetic, who's loving. So I shared, and then I yeah. felt so much better after.
0: Right? <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's true, right? Yeah. Um. And we all have conflict within ourselves too. Like, and if we don't, and the thing is if we don't address it. And like, I know this, cause I've kept things bottled up for many years. Mm-hmm. You know, if I don't address it, it becomes like a festering wound. Yeah. And we keep opening it up and it eventually gets infected. Like, mm. and then it just like, and then it's just, you don't know what to do with it at that point, you know? So, yeah. and I think <laughs> that's
1: what it is, is because that this right to comfort it's, it's when we feel uncomfortable, we don't know what to do. It feels uncomfortable. It's this tension and conflict in us. So instead of processing it, we fight it, we try to avoid mm-hmm. it. And, yeah. and so what ends up happening then is a situation where we're just so fighting it so much that we're now protecting our right of comfort at all costs which means cost of harm to others cost of the system cost of regardless because Mm -hmm. i come first and my Mm -hmm. right and because i'm in power i can control others
0: yeah absolutely yeah yeah of course and then like what other antidotes are you seeing yeah so
1: i mean so i think it comes down to first feeling the feelings. The one thing I would, I've been doing right now is not fighting my feelings. Mm -hmm. I did that for 34 years of my life Mm
0: -hmm. where
1: I just, these are the feelings I don't like. So I'm going to fight it. I'm going to try to control them and try to suppress them and not think about it. Mm -hmm. And then when I leaned into them and just feel felt the feelings, I'm feeling uncomfortable. All right. Let me just feel uncomfortable. It became better and better. Number one, feel those feelings, get in touch with the body, listening to my body. I didn't realize my body knows more before I become aware. My body is signaling, giving us all these signals that un- discomfort is a signal that I need to look at something and do something about this because it's something. Because our body is processing better faster than I am aware of the meanings and the understanding of it. And when I was fighting it, what what I was doing was not listening to my body, not listening to myself. When mm-hmm. I started listening to my body, oh, that's discomfort. Okay, great. Mm-hmm. Let me now understand where is this coming from? What happened? What is the situation? Take it as a signal. I take it as an opportunity. So that's what I encourage as an antidote. When we feel that discomfort, let's take it as a signal. Let's put our And make sure it's a difference between feeling unsafe and feeling uncomfortable. When mm-hmm. we're feeling unsafe, let's try to remove ourselves to make ourselves feel safer. And we yeah. we have to separate the fact that there's uncomfortable and there's, there's feeling unsafe. And those are two separate things. Yes. yes. You might feel uncomfortable feeling unsafe, but unsafe is looking at all the data and saying, okay, there's potential harm going to happen to me. So I'm going to take myself out of it, but mm-hmm. taking a signal of I'm feeling uncomfortable because something happened, but no no harm is coming to me as I'm just uncomfortable. Yeah. That's the feeling we're feeling leaning into it.
0: Yeah. The feeling of like, of, of, and like what comes after that is having that awareness, but it's like, right after that is that feeling of, um, curiosity, you know, yes, you have to the, get curious about it. Yeah.
1: The intrigue that comes in, um, and the curiosity, that's the next step. Let's lean into that. Be curious and, and understand where is this coming from? What is causing this discomfort? And we humans, we like control. Life likes control. So, one of the things we do is we end up trying to find control by, by like the, you know, the situation. I don't like the phrase Karen, but people who react badly in situations, they're trying, what are they trying to do is get control right at the end of the day, because they're like, mm-hmm. call your manager. Cause this happened to me, or <laughs> I'm going to call the police because that's their form of control.
0: Mm-hmm. But what if
1: we flipped it and put looked inward, how do we find that take control of the situation, take responsibility. Okay without having any expectations on anyone else. Because we see that, oh, like, oh, they should have done it better. Oh, I wish they had done this. All of that is just unsaid, undiscussed expectations that we somehow have put on people. Mm-hmm. And okay. then we have these expectations. So <laughs> instead, we're like, okay, what is it in this situation I could have done different? What are the things I can learn from this? And, and how do I make sure that in the future, I'm better prepared for similar situations so that I don't feel this discomfort? And and then, and the more we do, it's a cycle. We become more and more comfortable with discomfort. So first it's taking that Mm -hmm. signal. When our body giving us the signal, take it in, listen to our bodies, take it as an opportunity. It's an opportunity to learn, to grow, to lean into that curiosity, that intrigue. And then the third thing is making the choice. It is a choice for us to lean into those feelings. It is a choice for us to learn from that, take responsibility. And if Mm -hmm. it's really simple, those three things. We like freedom. Humans like freedom. (laughs) When I did this, I have never felt freer and more empowered Mm. because now I know I have the tools to take any kind of discomfort that comes through me. I know initially, first, it's going to be hard. I've accepted that it's not going to be easy. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And if we want it to be easy, well, that's a whole other conversation we'll have. But it's going to be hard. It's going to be, it'll take time. Why are we in a rush? We talked about one of the systems of (laughs) white, characteristics of white suppressing, always being in a rush. What's the rush? Let's take the time. We have all our life. Mm -hmm. And then take the time to process, lean into it, find a music or whatever comfort we have physically. So we can give ourselves the space to reflect and -hmm. then use Mm -hmm. it as an opportunity and then go and make the choice to go understand what's happening Mm. and what can we learn from this
0: yeah one thing I'm thinking about about like when you're talking about that is like yes in a moment when we're when when we have like a you know you know I'm thinking like thinking fast and slow kind Mm of um, Mm -hmm. behavioral science kind of mindset is like Daniel Kahneman, Mm -hmm. Kahneman Um, thinking fast and slow um, but like we have this reptilian brain oh. where we're reacting right yeah. and then there's the slow part the thinking slow is like the rest of the brain and I can't remember the name of the, of it right now but but you know it's that that brain where it's like slower like you would you are always reacting so like um, I think yeah. would it be like over time I'm assuming I guess like over time like you retrain your brain. Right? Yeah, that's what's happening. That's <laughs> yeah. what's
1: ha- it's like learning to drive a car. When I first started driving a car, my instinct was not to go press the brakes. So I would get into an accident. But then we do. The more we do it, our body naturally just goes and presses the brakes.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: and so the signal. One of some of the signals we see is it's a negative in this reaction. The first thing, if that's something negative, if we're feeling I'm a terrible person, or I'm a terrible boss, or if I'm a terrible parent, those are the negative feelings that the system has put into us that we are trying to avoid so instead of leaning into those feelings we we're like oh take those as a signal as an opportunity to then go understand and like mm-hmm, you and mm-hmm. you said it's so well it's the cycle and the more we do it the better prepared we are so that we don't react as aggressively or as negatively outwardly to protect mm-hmm. our own comfort in fact we're like we understand oh i'm feeling this discomfort make sure i'm in a safe space now let me go understand it yeah so with that um it's a great conversation, leaning into the discomfort. It's, it's one of the things that I have been working on and I know Amy, you have been. And so I invite you all listening to this, You know, what is your relationship to comfort? This is your question to reflect on, to take away. What are your conditioned tendencies when it comes to conflict? Do you lean into comfort or stay comfortable with the discomfort? Listen to your signals, take it as an opportunity and make the choice.
0: Empathy Power Up is produced by Amy J. Wilson and Kevin Shaw, two people who bonded over their love for creating a deeper sense of empathy in the world. You can reach Amy at RealAmyJWilson and Kevin at ShawKevin.